Out of the ashes of the old, a new legend is born on the streets of New Orleans. A legend used by Creole mothers to frighten bad little children. The dark, handsome thief sneaking through the shadows of the night. The thief who tosses lightning from his hands and steals the heart of your girl. The thief searching for the love he can never have. The thief, the traitor to all. So goes the legend of Gambit. Gambit, the classics collection. Writers, Chris Claremont and Howard Mackey. Pencilers, Bill Jaska, Mike Collins, Jim Lee, and Lee Weeks. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley and my Southern Fried Podcast pal... Bonjour, my petites. Travis Ratz here. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my raging Cajun. Yeah, baby. My other half, Travis Ratz on the podcast with me, Josh Buckley, bringing you comic exposure, where Travis and I are spending a marvelous summer diving into the weird odds and ends of 90s and earlier Marvel comic books and this is a special treat, Travis, because I didn't know such a collection existed. But may I say, mon frere, <laughs> I am quite pleased that we are reading uh, Gambit Classics. Classics, volume episode. one, because there are two volumes and someone on this podcast read uh, both of them. So we read Gambit Classics number <laughs> one for this episode. And this Gambit Classics has got... We got a little Chris Claremont and Howard Mackey doing some writing. We got Bill Joska, Mike Collins, Jim Lee, and Lee Weeks doing some pencils. A whole boatload of inkers and colorists and letterers because this is a couple different things going on here with this. But what we have, Travis, is is I do believe your favorite X Men. Yes. Okay. So. Let me get let me let me pontificate pontificate on Gambit a little bit. I yeah. had so much fun reading this. It we talked a lot about these the, during this marvelous summer about going back to the past and 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 getting these snippets of our childhood. We talked about this especially when we read the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man mask yeah. a couple episodes ago. But this I forgot how much I was obsessed with the character of Gambit. Here's here's a little uh, uh, a little tidbit, a little rats facts for you. When I was a kid in fifth and sixth grade, uh, I had a Gambit T-shirt. It was gray and it had Gambit on, and he was chucking those cards, baby, just yeah, right yeah. at you, like coming right off the chest, my little concaved ten-year-old uh, <laughs> chest. And that thing I, I saw in the store, it was a large, like an adult large. And I was a tiny little little rat baby. And I was like... You don't even wear a large t-shirt now. I don't even wear a large t-shirt now. And <laughs> I was like, I need to get this shirt. They only had a large. My mom was like, it's too big for you. And I said, Mom, I want this Gambit shirt. And I wore that thing. Like, if you had a belt, I could cinch it like a little dress. That's how <laughs> big this thing was. And I wore that thing out fifth and sixth grade. just Just swimming in this thing. And then I also had a gambit pillow that was on my bed. Not a pillowcase, but like a like a couch pillow. And it had yeah. it was all black and it had the yellow trim on it. And I had that thing. I may I can't remember, but I may or may not have taken that to college with me. I uh, I love your love for Gambit. He is my Second to least favorite character in the <laughs> X-Men cartoon. Really? Whoa. Yes. Uh, Nightcrawler at the bottom. Gambit just above what? Nightcrawler. Oh, I feel like they did change the voice about halfway through the series. And the, the second Cajun voice was not as good. It was like and, creepy. And it's not because I think Gambit's a bad character. I don't. In fact, I had a, 
a rollicking good time reading this story, which was far better written than I thought it would be. Howard Mackey is I'm like, whoa, whoa, why haven't you been on my radar? Uh, because I was like, oh, this is going to be like the first two Claremont issues the or the X-Men ones that lead up to a Gambit's own series feel very Claremont-y, yes. right? A fever dream. Yes. And then. <laughs> Mackie writing the actual Gambit book, I was like, okay, I, this is actually far better than I thought it would be. And it was very, I really liked it. And I say that not to say that I think Gambit is bad, but as a like kid, Gambit was not on my radar. I didn't read Jim Lee X-Men. Uh-huh. I watched the cartoon and then I transitioned into just I, X-Force and Wolverine were the two books yeah, yeah. I read. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have Gambit in my life all that much. Uh, But this was a, there's so many things. You weren't weren't wearing him and sleeping with Gambit every night. I was (laughs) not. And I also, and I also did not know nearly as much about the sort of background of the thieves guild and and the assassins guild assassins guild i I can't believe you did not like gambit in the cartoon i thought that character was so his introduction which i believe is he's buying cards and like um the girl says uh oh you must play a lot of cards and he's like i like solitaire all right unless i got someone to play with (laughs) but i i think throwing cards for me i was like it didn't catch me. I okay. don't know why. Because that's something you can do as a kid. Like when you're playing right. X-Men, you could just have a stack of cards and your parents are like, this is better than any toy gun we ever it bought is, you. It is the perfect thing for a child to like play. I yeah. do not deny that. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't connect, but I had a blast reading this. Well, bef- so, before we get into reading yeah. it, I have a little I have a little surprise for you. I have a little quiz for you. All right. Since... Uh, this story primarily, well, a lot, uh, there's two story arcs in the volume one. The, the second one takes place primarily in New Orleans, New Orleans. Uh, no, I, no. Have, I have a couple of New Orleans phrases for you. Okay. And I want you to tell me if it's a real phrase in New Orleans or if it's a made up phrase that I've made up. <laughs> okay. Are you All ready? Right, I'm, yeah, All I'm right. ready. First one. Pass a good time. Pass a good time. Pass a good time. I'm gonna say that is real. I'm gonna okay, say that's so real. Real will be Cajun. False yeah. will be Ragin. I believe it's Cajun. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Of course, uh, pass a good time is just like have a good time. Very simple. Can, Very. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you make an intro for this segment <laughs> where it's where it's titled Cajun or Ragin? <laughs> I want a blurb. <laughs> well, I do have a lot of extra time on my hands. Um, all, right, good, good. all right. The next one is cooking Holy Trinity. Cooking Holy Trinity. I'm going to go that it is. I'm going to say it's Cajun. I'm going to say it must be something you would put together, like three important ingredients that you would put together. But then I think your face tells me it's raging, but I'm going to say Cajun. <laughs> Uh, it is it is Cajun, sir. It yes! is Cajun. Uh, okay. Uh, Cajun, the Holy Trinity refers to onions, bell peppers, and celery. Like the three okay. uh, holy ingredients for uh, Cajun cooking. I usually do those. I, I do that often. And I am not Cajun. Not bell peppers, though. Gab doesn't like bell peppers. So carrots. I do carrots, celery, onions, which I think is just normal. But anyways. Okay, I have... I have four more i want you to say a number between one and four. i don't want you trying to to decipher the game on it so i i want you multiple choice choicing it uh one uh one through four uh three okay <clears throat> shut up boys shut up boys raging Raging, meaning okay, you are correct, sir. You're good at this game. <laughs> there is, it is close to something they have. It's called free sons. That's when you get the goosebumps. I got the free sons. <laughs> and I, okay. I was like, shut up, boys. <laughs> I got give, give me them shut up, boys. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, one, uh, two, or four. Uh, let's do two. Two. Make groceries. Make, Make- groceries. Make groceries. Make groceries. I'm going to say it's raging. 
is actually Cajun. Oh, uh, make groceries is your weekly grocery trip. I gotta go make groceries. <laughs> it's like I gotta make. I, I gotta make boom boom. Sh- I think you and Gab should in- in- instill that That's- into your your household vocabulary. I'm gonna, you- I'm gonna I'm gonna call our Google's shopping our like our uh, our like apple list our notes for grocery shopping that we share i'm going to change it to make groceries uh gabby tonight we are going to make love and then we are going to make a grocery if we do them both right then we will make a baby all right all right one or four uh one all right um get them that gator stomp get them that get them that that gator gator stomp Get them that gator stomp. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm. I'm going to say raging. That is raging. That is yes. raging. That's just, that's just gibberish. That's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a, right, so give, a little Cajun gumbo I put in there for you. Give me, uh, give me number four. Give me that uh, last okay, one. Okay, all right. How's your mama and them? How's your I'm mama say, and them? And I'm going to say that is that is Cajun. That is, of course, Cajun. <laughs> Cajun. <laughs> that's... <laughs> why i'm crying man i am good I'm better you're good at these you've always been good at these quizzes i well you know what i'm a good guesser as a as a teacher i think we are ultimately just good guessers i don't think i would do as well on it i, I think i don't think i'm good with coming up with the mcguffin question or whatever we call them in <laughs> education one? yeah there's yeah. a term for that but uh distractors distractors yeah there you go. yeah all right so Anyways, here's what I want. that was raging or cajun or cajun ha 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 Oh, uh, Mondu. All right. Let's so, talk Travis about this Rath. book. I want to talk about this book. It starts with a three issue arc uh, that is an introduction to Gambit in the X Men book. We get Gambit woven into a story that has us finding Storm as a child, somehow reverted to a childlike princess. Yep. Yeah, captured by the the nanny and the orphan maker and somehow uh, transformed back into uh, puberty storm. Pre-puberty. Yeah, uh, like, uh, yes. Childlike storm. Pre-bleed storm. Yeah, yeah. Childlike storm is is there. Gambit gets woven in. We get some very good villains, some very good baddies. Yeah. Who who change over the course of each of the issues? They look very different. Every issue, there's something different about them. But I enjoyed I enjoyed that little arc, and then we get Gambit's very first arc, his own miniseries, uh, and it is a arc that finds Gambit trying to navigate the waters of Narlins in the in the swamps of the uh, Assassin's Guild versus the Thieves Guild and some magical power that Ex- they wield. Externals are, are, are mixed in there, and uh, it's, it's, it feels very Gambit, what we, I think, the cornerstones of Gambit. I think the best yes. way to approach this would probably be taking the first arc, talking about that, and then moving into the second arc, um, right? Yeah, and I think I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time diving into like the the goods and bads of the first little introduction to Gambit, because it really is our introduction Gambit. So this is what I want to know from yeah. you, Travis. This being our first romp with the Ragin Cajun, how do you feel he is introduced in the <clears throat> X Men universe in this way? How did he when going back and reading yeah. it? Did, did you feel like, oh, that makes sense. That's a really good introduction. Or what was your thought process? Or what were you thinking about this introduction? Of? Excellent question, Mon Frere. Um, uh, this is so uh, Gambit's first introduction to the X-Men was Uncanny X-Men 266. And I think there was a parallel issue, like an X-Men annual uh, that came out around the same time, <clears throat> which is also introduced in. So they jump back and forth as to which is the, excuse me, <clears throat> the first official appearance of Gambit. But I thought... That for his first appearance, he was so fleshed out. I was like, wait a minute. Is this the first time we see Gambit? He seemed like a really fleshed out character. Everything that we see about Gambit, they did pull something back, which we'll talk about as far as how he uses powers, <laughs> which I'm glad they did. Um, but uh, for a first appearance of a character, he had a lot of things already 
about him. He had his ladies' man, his charm, his look, his powers, um, uh, the idea that he's a thief. So much of that stuff that's explored later is right there the first time we see them. And I think when characters typically get introduced in comics, especially in Marvel, is that you get like kind of a one dimension and then over appearances, we start to kind of build their lore and their power sets and their personality. They kind of can sometimes come across as flat or one dimensional. And I thought Remy LeBeau came across uh, uh, pretty, pretty full formed out of the box. What do you think? Yeah, I would, I would agree with you that I thought that this was quite the, um, it felt like they were just bringing him in from somewhere else. It felt like a crossover as opposed to an introduction. Yeah. Right. If that makes sense. So he did feel far more fleshed out than I thought he would. And can we just talk about how any X-Men wearing a jacket is automatically the coolest looking X-Men. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I, let, let trench coat. You jacket. know I love a trench coat and a smoker. I didn't know Gambit was such a smoker. He's puffing away through both these volumes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's what I would say. Trench coat. I'd like the, it's something about the leather jacket over the X-Men, whatever they're wearing, this sort of like tight whatever they've got on. Because let's let's talk about this. Rogue, much better because she's got the jacket on. Morph. Jubilee, better because of the jacket. Yep. Morph, the best because of the jacket. Yep. Morph Logan, is, Logan when he's got a jacket on. Okay. Right? What about Morph? Uh Morph is it the best, even though most unused. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good Uh, that was a good one yeah yeah that's a good one uh morph fantastic when morph that was my old brain morph morph (laughs) um the jacket instantly makes the outfit cooler and it works for any superhero because when you go back and we read animal man animal man looked the best with the leather jacket on over the outfit also trench coats you got hellboy you got constantine you got gambit that's the whole trinity of trench coats (laughs) (laughs) so is gambit the onion the celery or the green pepper the way you just said onion i think you know the answer right there yeah 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 i think you're right i think you're right onion (laughs) but although his his head kind of looks like a celery stock so i might go celery on this I, I can I can hear you on that. I I enjoyed this being an introduction. I thought the baddies were interesting. I didn't really understand what the hell was going on, yeah. but that's the X-Men in general. Yeah. Um, so it was weird for I understand why this is in this volume because it is the first appearance. So we're going to introduce him and then we'll tell you his real story. It's just weird that his first appearance is three parts of a story but you don't get the first part of it when you find out what happens to storm i I completely agree as far as a collection it's a little bit odd because you're like oh i'm gonna read gambit and you don't get gambit until like the end of that first yeah uh that yeah exactly till issue two and that's a little bit weird and also it's a very convoluted storyline i feel like storm is I guess I haven't read X-Men, you know, in like 20 years, like on a on a monthly basis. But Storm is always that character. Like, I really don't know what's going on with Storm. She's I know she's a leader of the X-Men in quite a bit of their episodes, but like she's a girl in this. You don't know what's going on, but you have to just be like, OK, this is a this is a curated collection of first appearances. It was kind of like Blade, very similar to what we read with Blade as far as the Tomb of Dracula and then kind of throwing in some later stuff and a yeah. little bit kind of like Todd McFarlane's mask. So this is uh, this summer has trained me to accept not knowing things when I'm reading oh, these collections. For sure. Like yeah. you can't go in going like. Well, I need to know what happened to Storm because you're you're not going to know what happened to Storm. It's just not going to happen. Nor do I really um, want to. Nor does that storyline really no, interest me. It seems too complicated. Not at all. It does. I'm like, why is there a a weird looking robot mom? This I to, don't. To me, this first the the Storm. Uh, I don't think it's like four issues or a couple issues. Um, yeah, it's three or four issues. Uh, it, to me, it was it was so fun to see that pair up. Because they they, like, they they get together and they just have fun. I mean, they're they're a thieving. They do some thieving. They go like at one point there's this big battle against a spaceship and they're on a plane. Uh, they're brought into the spaceship. There's some sci-fi elements to it. There's also some mafia aspects to it. It was just this kind of fun. Like I call it a fever dream. It does feel like Storm 
went to sleep, had a dream, and wacky stuff happened, and then we woke up. Yeah, it was this very, it was a very bizarre story that it was hard for me to grab onto, but it was interesting to see how they brought, how they brought Gambit into it, and it, although I thought he was a really good fleshed out character, it seemed like an it made no sense why he was in the story. Only because this the only because it is canon at this point that uh, Storm was a thief, you know, uh, right. and so it's like, well, let's put her with another thief. I mean, that first introduction, they're both trying to steal the same thing, you right? Know? Right. Uh, and so it's kind of like that thief bumping into a thief. Um, yeah. And it's also where we establish that 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 Robin Hood like manner of of Gambit. Um, right. And I'm not I'm not saying I don't like the appearance. It just felt like instead of them, instead of the X-Men haphazardly coming across him because they are embroiled in something. Yeah. It just seems like we're in the middle of a story about Storm being a child. Let's put a not. We can't put the X-Men with her because that doesn't make any sense because they don't know what's going on with her. So we've got to we've got to give her someone to work with who's who's a hero. Yeah. Normally, I think the way this would be introduced is one, either Gambit would be the villain the X-Men have to fight, who they think is a villain at first, or right. two, it's like, we have to get this thing, and we need, and someone's like, well, you need the best thief in uh, all the South. And that's what. That's how they would do it in the movie. Yeah, exactly. That's the movie version of it, is how do we get Gambit, we've got to steal our, you know, we've got to steal the plans for the sentinels back from somewhere yeah oh you're gonna need the best thief there is don't you know you're gonna need that best thief you got to get him the best thief in the south um and i like this much better because when you introduce a new character to a team dynamic you have to flesh out all the how he's gonna bounce off wolverine and how he's gonna bounce off cyclops and how he's gonna bounce off xavier and so you don't really get as much maybe of a sense of who that character is on their own and here when it's just him riffing off of storm stormy as he calls her uh don't call me stormy all right stormy stormy (laughs) stormy (laughs) you know i always here's what i think i know that channing tatum was supposed to play it but you and I can both agree that Harry Connick Jr. is Gambit, right? <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. 1994 in, Harry Connick Jr. Independence Day. Harry Connick Jr. in Independence Day is Gambit. I was thinking Luke Perry from 90210. No. No. <laughs> you vetoed that immediately. Because it has, to be, it has to be Harry Connick Jr. has that accent, so he's got to do it. I was thinking about Luke Perry's performance in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he's kind of like, she sliced my dog, bro. You know, like that kind of like, um, you're floating, man. You're floating. <laughs> Just let me in. <laughs> you're you floating, man. In. Come on, man. You got to invite me in. I forgot what I forgot what his character's name is, but they use it a lot in that movie. Mm, it's like Edge or yeah, Benny. It's something Maybe like it's Benny. Oh, Benny is yeah. Benny, you're floating, soul. Benny man, you're floating. And Soul Patch is is wonderful. Um, so we should read some Buffy comics. <laughs> yes, yes, we. But I think the Buffy comic comment comics pair with the TV show that I have no understanding of. True. And also, yeah. I think that Josh Whedon is on thin ice now after some of the comments that have come out. Oh, God. Uh, so here's here's what here's I love that in between this issue and then the and the issue, there's like one page where they're like, OK, here's what the hell's going on in the X-Men world. Yeah, yeah. Like, we got to finish that story for you. So here we go. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Belladonna is his his bride, Bella. Belladonna. 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 Uh, Best, uh, she doesn't have it as much in this first appearance because she's in her civilian, like, passed out gear. But Belladonna, like, in the cartoons and in later comics, has the best white trash mullet there there is. It's, like, it's very, like, long shots hair. And I love yeah. it. It's so um, Gambit has a type. Remy LeBeau has a type. He likes like a southern kind of white trashy woman <laughs> with the rogue and Belladonna. Rogue is uh, also that southern bell, right? Yeah. It worked perfectly for them to mesh. What can I ask you? We're gonna we're gonna get into this next thing. 
But can we talk about what the hell is Gambit wearing? What is his costume? One, I think I I have a feeling this might be one of the reasons as a kid you you bucked against Gambit is because of his weird costume. We have established that we like the trench coat, but the under body armor, the purple body armor with the boots that I don't even know what they're like metal metal shin guards. Yeah, what functionality? Like what career? Which normally like we superheroes piece together it's like this is my overalls because i grew up on a farm uh i don't understand what a thief it seems like it would inhibit your flexibility i love what the one we love what is what is this thing what is the weird collar not the thing that he's wearing on his head yeah not the scott summers 90s uh sort of half thing but what is the like it's like he's got like a a fruit roll-up or like a neck pillow <laughs> for the airplane around his neck. And can we, it's such a weird costume. The trench coat covers it up. It's fine. I get it. Can but we talk about sometimes how he'll he go, has, Sometimes he'll go sans trench coat, you know? Yes. Can we talk about how he has a ponytail? Wait, does he? There is one frame in this where he is not wearing the costume. And there is a long ponytail that is that you're like, he tucks that into his little hood thing. Oh, let's see. He has a giant ponytail in one of them, and I, I'll have to find the page. I wanted to bookmark it, but I forgot to bookmark it because I was so, like, I think I put it on Instagram because I was like, how, what is he? Is he hiding this thing? I oh, don't. I love Gambit's hair so much. When I was a kid, I wanted this shaggy, pompy. It's got volume to it, you know. You could it grow, is. you could grow hair out in your in your ha- follicle prime, Josh. I feel like oh, you yeah. could grow hair out like this. You still have kind of like that that very full pompy hair. It's a, it's a good. You do that good Morrissey. You get yeah. the good Morrissey on but time. I would like to see a shaggy, like long side hair, Josh, and then kind of poop like poop. It's. I think you. I think you're missing out on some some prime uh, Josh look here. It's very it's very possible. I think you look but great anyways. in a sock helmet. Uh, another part of the another detail of this costume that I really like is the the fingerless gloves. How like he has the the ones he throws cards with have yeah, uh, the two middle fingers are. And to me, are, that makes sense with a thief as well, because sometimes you don't want to leave those fingerprints when you're like punching in codes and stuff. You right. know, uh, I love the. There's a lot of detail in his costume. Again, this is the character was originally created by Claremont and and Jim Lee, and so yes. it, it it reeks of Jim Lee's design. Um. Okay, page one twenty in your digital reader, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you're doing this, sorry to interrupt you, Travis. Page no, one twenty in your digital reader is the ponytail. One. Oh God, I gotta find it. Oh, one seventeen. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he's in the civilian garb. Yeah, look at that ponytail. He tucks that bad boy in to his sock helmet. I Again, I love I love civilian Gambit. I love his fashion choices. I don't like the ripped jeans very much. Uh, uh, he looks like uh, he's in um, Poison or yeah. uh, like a... Or actually, he'd be more like he's in Warrant, right? Like a little more, like a little older... Not as you know, but the 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 glasses are great. I, I love yeah. the shades. Um, I love his attitude when he's in. He gets even more like Co- uh, cocky. Yeah. yeah, when he's in it. Um, so it reeks of that this era of of reeks oh, of Lee. Yeah. yeah, it is so Jim Lee. It is this weird late eighties that carries on for far too long in comic book. Aesthetic. No, this is my bread and butter, baby. This is this felt like no. this is what a comic is. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it is the eighties. The fashion is very like late eighties, but it, but it continues into the nineties because all these guys writing comic books never look and see what people are actually wearing. And they dress horribly. If you remember reading wizard magazine, they'd interview these guys in the bullpens. They would always be the dorkiest nerds. Right. And so let's talk this second, this second, uh, before we get to the second thing here is a tidbit. Do you know, which late 80s band makes a very, very small cameo in Gambit, the, the first volume? 
Uh, no. The first story. Did I miss it? Yep. There is, uh, they're at a mall, uh, and there are some girls, and the girls had shopping. They had bought something, and if you look at the detail of the CD that they bought, or the cassette, it's got the name of a band on it, which really dates this piece. And that oh band is New Kids on the Block. Yes. <laughs> if you look at it really closely, I was like, oh, what's she buying? I'm like, New Kids on the Block. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. That is oh, perfect. Oh, that is oh, perfect. Oh, 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 oh. Call me Donnie. <laughs> uh, so, like, we've got, we have this second outing, which is literally the first, he gets his first solo series as Gambit. We're plucking him away from the X-Men great choice to actually let him have his own series by taking him away from everybody except rogue. Yep. And you got, you have that anchor back to the rest of the world, right? Mm. But you really get to see him. What is his world like? Right. And I don't know much. I don't remember much about the thieves guild and stuff from the cartoon to me. They did do do a double uh, episode of gambit. Where yeah. it, which it follows pretty like it is this story about the two guilds going at each yeah. other for like eternal life. Um, so that I think was in like the second season of X Men cartoons. So they they do touch on it, but I I don't know honestly which comes first that and then they in the cartoon and they flush it out in the comics or uh, v- vice versa. But oh yeah, we'd have to look up dates and that no, would that be ain't more nope. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. I would, like I said earlier, I was surprised at how well written it was, how, although it is a nineties comic book, it didn't feel overly dated mm-hmm. aside from the new kids on the block and sort of the clothing people are wearing. Yeah. And that's, story- that's the earlier one. This is a little bit later. Right. This is like solidly planted in the nineties, the second arc. Right, and and this being and and this being um, you know, a very '90s book, it didn't feel overly, it didn't read overly from that era, no, right? It felt timeless because you're you're New Orleans, where this takes place, is very much a character in this uh, second arc, yeah. And because it's this encapsulated world where there aren't any other X Men aside from Rogue, right. um you you don't you, you, like you said it, it isn't dated right and then also i would say that 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 part of that is um there is a a very large i mean there's narration but there's not the plague of narration that we had when we read 70s uh avengers or we are going to read a very 80s logan or Wolverine story that is plagued with sort of like the comic book trope of how you start every issue and the very Marvel way of doing things. This steps away from that. Mm -hmm. um, And I think it serves it really well um, that there isn't that piece of it, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have those sort of tropes that help you peg an era of comic book. Right. Well, Howard Mackey, you know, I read the second volume of this, which is really good. If you liked the second story, Josh, the yeah. the second collection, the first four of that collection are the Rogue miniseries, and it, it continues exactly where this left off. Like, hmm. they go back to New Orleans, and they have to deal with the aftermath of Belladonna, who gets her powers back. But that's also written by Howard Mackey. And so the second volume is also, but it's like, you know, he wrote it 15 years later. So Mackey, what I found interesting is he seems to really love the character of Gambit. And and, yeah. and instead of just writing like the, okay, plug and play, here's a superhero story and I'm just going to plug in Gambit. And this is how Gambit would deal with that. He really tries to create something unique with Gambit's past. That's not just like... I was orphaned, and then I got picked up. No, there's there's nuance to it. And I feel that Howard Mackey uh, it keeps being invited back to write Gambit because he has such a love for this character, and it comes through with all these... It's, it's paced very well, I feel, mm-hmm. these issues. And um, 
I love the the kind of Romeo and Juliet aspect, Belladonna, an assassin, Gambit, this. And then you bring in the love triangle. Gambit is surrounded by female characters uh, in all his arcs. Every, in both these volumes, all the yeah. supporting characters are really strong, too. In a time where you didn't get a lot of, I guess X-Men had strong female characters, but uh, the, he, it's, it's interesting that Mackie just throws Gambit in with all these female characters, and that's kind of his Achilles heel. And he doesn't treat right. he doesn't treat them like princesses. You know, he lets them, he fights with them, he, he lets them join him, you know. Yeah. He, and I think that's an interesting take on this character. He's not this crass ladies man. He really does, he really is like a lover of women and respects them in as much a way as this time would allow. Yeah. You know, I I, I also think as I read this one. There's an immense amount of world building, mm. but you don't get all of it, right? You get like a little taste of it. And I would, so here's, here's how I see this. And I, have you watched the John Wick movies? Yeah. Okay. This very much feels like the world building you get in those John Wick movies. You have no idea what this whole underground world of the assassins that John Wick mm, is in the hotel, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just these flavors of it. And I feel that that's what this is. This is that that's the kind of world building this has is that sort of like, well, we're not going to tell you everything about the thieves guild. We're not gonna tell you everything about the assassins. You're going to just have to assume and learn these little things. And I, I, like I said, I didn't, I have no gambit background. Aside from the 90s cartoon, I didn't read a bunch of X-Men with Gambit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something that I don't have. And so for me, I was like, okay, I like that there's just enough where I want to know more, but he's not giving it to me. Right. A great know? example of that would be in the Thieves Guild and especially the Assassin Guild, they have characters with other powers. Like you have a grifter looking character, you know, that's obviously yeah. becomes grifter later when Jim Lee is, you know, drawing wildcats or whatever it's wildstorm um yeah. and uh but we don't in a traditional marvel comic it would be like oh and this character you'd have over narration stan lee style he can take right. the earth and and shake it at, at his at his will but here you don't have that you don't you don't understand really what their powers are you just know that they have each of the, the individual designs and i think it's hard for a lot of marvel writers and artists to design a whole character and not fully flesh them out because they're like, well, I designed him. I want to explain why he looks like this, what his powers are, how, where he comes from. And I like how they create these, these kind of henchmen that are very individual, but we don't get their backstory. It's just like, right. oh, there's a cool, obviously this is a strong powered character and Gambit has to fight him. Right. And I think this second story really does play on that let's take you into his world. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the interesting piece about it is because his, however you want to talk about New Orleans, you said it's, it's essentially a character in this. And it is because I think New Orleans is one of those cities where like, it's so different than every other sort of city, Mm -hmm. right? Just the structure of that city and how there is sort of that timeless piece of the building. The old world meets new world. Meets voodoo, um, of course. <laughs> right. Um, and then because of that, he is very much away from what would be Marvel taking place in New York, mostly. It's right? darker, yeah. Right, or West Coast Avengers, right? Like we pull it out of New York or California and we're having it in sort of this other place. So if you were to remove Rogue from this, Right. If you take Rogue out of this story and the externals, I think they bring in some of what you're about to say. Right. But really, that whole thing, you could essentially go like this is this seems so separate and street level and street level and so separate from the rest of the Marvel Universe um, that I think it really it, it 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 does a good service for it because you're not like, oh, well, you know, he's just going to run into so-and-so or what about this thing or what about that? You pluck him out and you put him somewhere and it doesn't have to be an outer space like we'll see 
in other books were like, well, where do we put Cyclops? I don't know. Throw him with the star jammers and he'll have, right. he'll have to deal with some problems in outer space. No, you get to do that with, with, with Gambit by just putting him away from everybody. Cause I've got to deal with this myself. Well, right. And, like, and that right there too, the language even separates him from the rest of the Marvel universe. When he's in right. new Orleans, new Orleans, uh, everyone speaks in that kind of the Creole uh, right. Like you yeah. hear it when you're reading it in your head, and that really separates him from the the rest of that Marvel patter. You know that kind of yeah. just regular New York kind of yeah. I'm talking like this, um, and I think that's great. Josh, let me ask you this: yeah. Rogue and Gambit. What do you think about their dynamic together? I mean, it's hard to to, to talk about gambit without rogue and vice versa and we saw it in the x-men cartoons that was a big you know store running story arc uh we've seen so many variant covers and, and fan art with rogue and, and gambit what do you think about that love story does it work for you if so why if no why doesn't do you think it's as far as let's talk about in terms of other love relationships in the marvel universe like spider-man and mary jane where does rogue and gambit fit in well, I, th I think the thing about Rogue and Gambit ends up being the X-Men is always sort of this incestuous sort of lovers group, they're like right? The they're like theater kids. Right? And essentially, that's what it is. They're band kids or theater yeah, kids yeah. because they just all hang out together all the time. So, of course, they're with each other. And it's like a punk rock kid. Yeah. That was like our clique of, of punk rock kids. Like, well, I dated that girl after you dated that yeah. girl. And like I, have, like, I have a friend who we went to prom with like you he mean went with prom promenade we, we went to prom and he ended up he went to prom with one girl and ended up marrying the other girl that went to prom with us in this okay. big group right so this this very sort of like you know this very close-knit group of people that you end up everybody ends up kind of knowing yeah. each other right like i dated several scene girls at that time um that but sounds like, like a punk rock song. Mary was a punk rock prom queen. <laughs> I, I do believe we, we played at punk rock prom. So we had, it was a punk show around prom season called punk rock prom. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. We, we wore tuxedos and we, well, we actually stole the, uh, the, uh, the um, concert uniforms from band yeah. from our band. And they had the ruffly collars and like black tux jackets. <laughs> nice. It was great. Uh, my punk band, we played at a winter dance uh, uh, one year. And our, like, we were the only punk rock kids. So everyone else was into yeah. hip hop. So let's just say it was a half an hour set and it started off strong. People were into it. But by like the third, by like, you know, um, like our second Blink 182 cover, <laughs> it wasn't so good. Yeah. There were only yeah. so many ways I can make love with my hand. <laughs> that went over well at school. Um, so I, I, that's a weird aside to take, but yeah, it's fine. it seems normal, right? And part of me goes like, well, do we jam them together because they're both Southern, right? Mm -hmm. Do we jam them together because we need another love story outside of the triangle of Wolverine, right? Because it's not Nightcrawler. Cyclops not and Jean Grey. You got um, Mora Metagart and Xavier. Um, right. Those are- Well, you have, you have Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine. Yes, right. Yeah. You have that triangle. Um, sometimes the weird Jubilee Wolverine thing, right? When you throw Kitty Pride in there, it's like a daddy issues. Uh, right, right. So there's all of there's all of that going on, but these two seem very much the most separate characters mm -hmm. in in the X Men, and so they they pair well together. But I do I like the. It was interesting in here to be like. Oh, we love each other, but I'm married, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so that was a terrible. He kept real. using wife. He kept calling her wife. I'm like, stop calling her your wife in front of your girlfriend. Like, just call her Belladonna. Yeah, that's my wife. Yeah, <laughs> my wife. Uh, but I, it works for me, and I think. But in this story, it was weird. Only because, like, it continually took me out of like. Well, does he really care about Belladonna? Uh, see, I'm I'm gonna disagree with with. with or does he really care about Rogue? Yeah, let me let me pitch what uh, what I like about this and why I think they do it well in here is the thing for Rogue and Gambit is is Gambit is such this charming, sexually charged character, 
and he falls in love with the one woman that he can never be the most with like his desires and she's always pushing away that no i can't i can't uh i can't do this because it's gonna hurt you and gambit is like i think he he, it's almost like he's like no like uh share like it's i want to be with you but she seems like, no, you're not going to want to be with me because of who you are. You're going to want more than I can give. And he's like, no, I just want you. Uh, oh. And I love, I remember as a kid being like, that's so this forbidden love uh, yeah. between these two characters. And what I like about how they played it with this, I admit it was weird, the whole wife thing, but I think it pays off when Rogue accidentally absorbs her memories and gets to be with Gambit through Belladonna's memories. Gets right. to know what Gambit feels and smells like. This is getting real sexually charged here, Josh. <laughs> and it gets to... It is the X-Men. Through, <laughs> yeah, through the uh, the memories of his, his wife, she gets a taste. And she comes out of it even loving Gambit even more because she got to uh, vis-a-vis uh, Bella feel what that would really be like to be with Gambit. And I thought yeah, that was I, very, I, very cleverly done. That is a good way to make it happen. And it also does work because they can't be together, really. So it's okay that he has this wife, right? Like, yeah, it's not okay. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the one thing where she goes, no, it's fine because we really can't be together. You need someone, right? But then yeah. there's that internal conflict about about wanting to be together. And, and at um, the at the end, it's great too because that's not resolved. She's still his wife, technically. It's just it's we're allowed to believe it's okay because she can't remember now. She she doesn't right. remember who he is, and so Gambit's right. like, "All right, well, I guess I'll let you live your life." Uh, and and so we're, the the rogue and Gambit relationship can continue, but now like, there's this. You don't big... know me, but this is your daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, but there's still this in the background, so that tension is still there. They don't release the tension of that relationship. Yeah. There is no happily ever after for these two. Right, right. But I thought, you know, overall, I I really did think that this was a very well plotted story, a very well put together story. And it did not feel as 90s as the Spider-Man book we just read. Uh, And it didn't feel as Marvel as some of the... It actually didn't feel as X-Men either, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because the X-Men sometimes... The X-Men convoluted story sometimes like weighs itself down in the gravity of how insane the the bubble of X-Men lore is Mm -hmm. that it was really good to pull him out of it. And although you get the, you know, the, the, what's the group called the X, the externals or like, although you get them, it does it. You pull it away from the weight of X-Men lore. Yeah. And it lets you, it lets, I think one, the writer tell a story without having to deal with a bunch of X-Men stuff. Yeah. And as a reader, you can read it without having all of that knowledge and still enjoy it. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I also, this book made me realize that I think, man, Gambit was so close to becoming a character just as big as Wolverine. And I think he has the goods. I just don't think it was ever maybe promoted the right way. I think this story holds up. We're going to be reading a Wolverine here in a couple of weeks. I think this story holds up just as well as an X-Men side story as any Wolverines do. I think the character is just as conflicted. I think his background is just as rich. I think his world is just as fun as Wolverine's world. Very similar. In fact, their, their worlds and how they, their attitudes towards working as a team and working individually. Right. And I was like, man, Gambit was so, so close to blowing up uh with with who he was in this time period this arc reminds me so much of that claremont miller um it's a little less artsy certainly um but but uh, it's that same sort of like let's tell our our ronin story our wandering our well not even ronin like our character who has to go back to his world Mm -hmm. and solve a problem So that he can live his life outside of that world. Right, right. Like, right. I keep trying to leave, but they keep pulling me back in. Pulling me back in. Getting that gator stomp. 
Gadot game is <laughs> Now, okay, all right, yeah. What do you think about yeah. the art in this? I mean, we have a couple artists on here. Yeah, I, you know, I... Look, the art is overall... it. That's the one piece that feels the most 90s, mm-hmm. right? Um, I didn't hate the the original X-Men art. I didn't love the Jim Lee issue. Um because Jim Lee draws everybody crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, we were dealing with these sort of demon bad guys and all of a sudden they became straight up bondage weirdos mm-hmm. in that last one. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Did Jim Lee not see the character design? So they just tell him like, nah, they were like leotards and they kind of look feral. And he's like, all right. And he just cranked it to 11. They don't look anything like they did in the other two books. Um, I think uh, that Klaus Janssen, who I believe did that big daredevil run, I think yeah. with Miller on there, his shadows, his inking in this, I think is, is uh, as you would say, chef's kiss. And it, it, it reminds me so much. Uh, I like the Jim Lee stuff. Uh, I don't like current Jim Lee as much where it's all kind of polished, like hush Jim Lee. I don't like yeah, hush I don't Jim agree. Lee. But this is, as far as Jim Lee goes, this is, I think it's the coloring that makes it better than Hush Jim Lee. Yes, and the inking, I think, as well. It's those thick kind of shadow lines on with the inks. And to me, this... I, I Say what you will about Jim Lee, but to me, it, it works so... With his style, to me, his style works so well with the X-Men. Because there yeah. is this uh, really... Are we, are we over, I overuse it, but kind of a punk rock... Um, aesthetic maybe it's the coloring you're right and maybe it's gambit's look that adds that kind of punk rock element with the purples and the wild hair yeah. and the trench coats and the cigarettes um but to me it 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 felt like home like because this is I, these are the comics yeah. i was reading when i started getting into comics more so than the todd mcfarlane stuff and it to me when i think of when someone says comic books this is the art that pops into my head just because it was so ingrained. Yeah. And I do, I thought Lee Weeks was really good. His work in the Gambit series. I like Lee Weeks. He does a really good uh, Batman currently, right? Like he was doing uh Batman with um, Tom King. Mm-hmm. So Lee, we, I mean, that's modern, right? This is in the nineties, but he was doing, uh, he, he was doing sort of Batman with Tom King and it felt very, old school comics but still new right mm-hmm. um i thought he did a good job i i but it does deal with that sort of like the 90s everyone's hair right. is gigantic um and i think the gambit the only thing i would say is the difference between the 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 original issues where his first appearance compared to the the series is that the series falls prey to uh the gradient coloring yes and that's the one thing where I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But it was I the story overcame any problems I had with the art. Yeah. And can we talk about the issue, the cover to issue two for Gambit? Mm-hmm. Not the not this not the X-Men one, but the cover for issue two for Gambit, where he has Belladonna wrapped in his trench coat. That is a wonderful cover. Yeah. It is very much daredevil at the cross yep right electra it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah yeah it's very much uh batman with robin mm-hmm. right and, and 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 it's a good sort of homagey piece uh and i i thought lee weeks did a really good job what about do you have i had a fun time looking at the covers in the back i forgot about q uh Q-Bert, andy Kubert. Like yeah. how how X Men that feels. We don't like this one, you know, the Rogue and Gambit uh, on here. Yeah. Uh, and then what about? Did you see this one, Josh? The I had a great time. Look at old Capullo. Yes. And how yeah. different his style is when he's doing X Men. Well, that's also like old Capullo, right? That's old um, Capullo. He's changed so much. Right. It looks I. So- elementary so so the Hubert one was good and the i love the uh 90s x-men trading card gambit yeah god yeah those trading cards were everything i still have um, all mine baby Hubert was I, all over those i think he did uh, and then i also like the 
Gambit playing basketball from like it must have been the fantastic the swimsuit issue. Remember the fantastic. This is if I had to encapsulate what I love about X Men, this cover that basketball cover does it. I if I could if you could get a t shirt with that on it today, you you know you would wear it. Oh god, yeah, I'd make it extra large, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I can swim in it. What about your favorite panel, buddy? A favorite panel. There's one again, and I'm gonna point. It is a very much sort of an homage panel. Uh, let me find it. It's in the Gambit run. Uh, it's page 143. It's the very first page, 143 in the digital reader. It's the very first page of issue four, and it has Gambit on top of the church. Will you hold looking, it up for me so I can see it? Ve- he's looking very yes. much Batman. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's fun because he has the he has the trench coat. Yeah. And you get to... Marvel superheroes don't have capes. Yep. And so you don't get that fun, flowy, fun DC cape thing that you get here. Right. Capes are. How great would it be to see uh, McFarlane doing uh, uh, Gambit's trench coat? And have so many holes. Tatters. (laughs) What happened to that man's trench coat? Um, But I thought that was a really good, uh, a really good panel um i know it's not indicative of the rest of the book but i really thought that was a great sort of like shot that you that happens all the time in comic books mm-hmm. you go here's my dark the night. brooding the brooding right yeah brooding on a uh, rooftop brooding on a rooftop, bum, bum. <laughs> on a rooftop. <laughs> all right so what's yours my friend uh mine i guess not not indicative again of the rest of the book i really wanted there's so many great gambit shots but this yeah. on page uh, 130 in the digital reader is the uh, the cards falling oh, on the yeah. top of the page down to it. It not only is it a cool border for the page, but that's when he kisses the external, and then it's yeah. also when Rogue um, absorbs those memories, and we see a a betrayal. A somewhat of a betrayal there on Gambit's yeah. end, and we see the the fiery cards just falling into Rogue at the end. You know, yeah. having her realization moment. To me, I was like, "Ooh, that's art, baby." That is very. That is a very artsy thing to like. He's kissed, and he's not going to throw the cards. He lets them go. Yeah, yeah. And, and the energy dissipates from them. It's a, they it's, don't. It's so explode, romantic, right? Josh. It is very romantic. <laughs> Uh, so now that we've done panels, we've talked about the art. Here's what I got to know, Travis. Who do you give this to? Oh, wow. Um, okay. Let me let me try to, uh, other than just repeat what we've been saying for Marvelous Summer, I think this is more. I think, th- I I think, think this is the more. first one. Yeah. I think this is the first one we've read in Marvelous Summer where I could say, no, I think I think a lot of people could enjoy this. Yes. I think not, even if- Not you... just a hunter of classics. Right. I would, here is my caveat. I would recommend this to any comic fan or anyone, a fan of a a good story. However, keep in mind, the first arc with Storm is batshit crazy and you might want to skip it. I would just skip the Storm book Mm -hmm. and I would say this this miniseries with Gambit, if you were like, man, I really wanted to see Channing Tatum do this. I really love that character. This is the story they would do. This is the story they would do. And if if they if Marvel ever does Gambit, now that they have the X-Men back, you know that this is the story. For sure. And it's great. You, it would be a great story to tell. Yeah. So and I think when you talk about that sort of like Marvel movies are, are have this sort of uh genre, mm-hmm. this this is pegged uh, untapped. to a untapped a too. mysterious underworldy story that we haven't seen in a Marvel movie. It's not a heist one that you might no. think of. It is it is really like this it's very New Orleans. It's got all the ingredients of of kind of like this like It's dark, a very noir dark yeah, sort of it's, like Yeah. It kind of a bit preacher-esque may I say. It's also <laughs> probably why you really like it. Um do I Oh, what came first? The Gambit or the Preacher? Do I like Preacher if because I like Gambit trench, or do I like Gambit because I like Preacher? Coat, they have similar hair. If you could put a trench coat on, on the Jesse preacher. Jesse Custer, yeah. If you could put a trench coat on Jesse Custer. 
One of the things we didn't talk about, and I, I, I would be remiss not to mention this uh, in yeah. this Gambit thing. When, in our first appearance of Gambit, I'm so glad they got rid of the eyes being the source of his card charge. Remember, he, anything he would charge up with his hands, which is always fun to see, like different ways he uses that. Yeah, and like, or sometimes he'll like charge someone's necklace, but it's like it comes from his eyes. Like his eyes shoot out the power to his hand, and then he throws whatever it is. I'm so glad they got rid of that stupid Cyclops eye charging yeah. junk. Yeah. Um, but overall, a very fun story. And at this point, at this point in our Marvelous Summer, probably my favorite read. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know if we were going to say favorites because we've read gonna... all the Marvelous Summer, but this is there. This is up there. Yeah. This yeah. is. I had, I, I, I had so much fun reading this, Josh. I had... The ones we've discussed, this is the best one that we've discussed so far. Yeah. Um, and I really would say it in check it out. I it's pretty I I think it was cheap on Comicsology. Yeah. I don't remember paying I, a whole lot. Here's a little secret. Yeah. Come in, come in, podcasters. Come put, put your earphones in. Here's a little secret. Yeah. The more excited Josh and I are on a podcast to talk about a book, the better that book's gonna be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can tell by the energy of an episode uh if you should really go out right away and buy that book or not. And I would tell you, for like a classic book, this is a good classic story. Skip the Storm one and just jump right in with the miniseries. Uh, and I think anybody who likes comics read, would enjoy it. Read volume two. Read volume two. The volume two uh, collects uh, anyone who likes the second story. The first story arc in volume two picks up right where this left off. Very similar tone. Different art. More cartoony. Um and Rogue takes the, the kind of place of Gambit as our main character, but you go back, you meet Belladonna again. It's a great companion piece to this. Well, I might have to go check that out. I am currently, I have tapped all of our Marvelous Summer books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I am reading a different book right now, but that might be one I go check out. So here's what I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. We have two very fun episodes to wrap up our Marvelous Summer uh maybe three we'll see what happens but we have an episode we we, we reserve to write to throw in a wild card if need like yeah, we Gam- Gambit, we want. Gambit style we might charge up a podcast and check and it out your charge, ears charge the card. first it charges um, the podcast then we blow it up <laughs> so i was waiting i was waiting for you to say first you charge the card uh so here's what i would say We have two, I think, two episodes that are going to be a fun conversation. The first one is we are going back to Pitch Club, baby. Yep. First rule of Pitch Club, talk the hell hell out out of Pitch Club. Club. Um, We we found that well. We've dipped our buckets in and we're drinking that uh, uh, delicious elixir of life. (laughs) We're We're going back to Pitch Club. And here's what we've got. Travis and I are bringing on a guest for Pitch Club. So we're going to have three pitches and we're doing a marvelous team up. We're doing a team up book. We're going to pick any two Marvel characters, jam them together in our story a marvel two for one back in the day marvel two for one used to be the thing and whoever else was in a story with the thing Mm -hmm. our marvel two for one is any two marvel storm and gambit yeah storm and gambit any two marvel superheroes we want to jam together that we want to peanut butter and jelly the hell out of that's the story we're going to pitch uh and we're bringing a guest of the show who's been on before a, a a film creator Freddie Pinion is going to come on and talk about uh, his he's super excited to pitch a story. And as a storyteller, like since he's a storyteller, I am stoked to hear what he's bringing us. But that's one. And then we like we've been mentioning, we are reading a Claremont Miller uh, classic Wolverine tale uh, that we are that we're going to do the show on. I think we're, we're going to try to have Dr. Dan on. Dr. Dan has been out of the state trying to get COVID all over the country. Yeah, he's, he's doing his own Wolverine Ronin quest, except for he like state very parks. Much, yeah, he's doing his state parks, uh, like wandering Wolverine story. Um, I guess maybe that'll be good for him to talk about when he comes on the show. But that's what we've I think, got coming I think, up. I, I, last time I heard, I think he found a bear in the woods that was shot by an arrow and uh, he had to like save it or something. I, I think. Really weird, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you uh, if you want to find any of our old episodes, check out the rest of Marvelous Summer and anything else. You can go to the website comicexposure.com. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes. I mean, you found us somewhere, but maybe you hate listening to us on iTunes and you've just found the joy of Spotify. 
We're on Spotify. Do me a favor, guys. I I I want I want some more reviews. Just just like good podcast that works. Just type in good podcast five stars. Brilliant. If you type in first, you charge the podcast, then you blow it up. I'll send you something. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we will send you something. I've got a bunch of. We'll send you an Amazon. Listen. No, we'll send you an Amazon T-shirt. We'll yeah. send oh, you a fantastic. We'll send yeah. you an Amazon. We'll send you one of our T-shirts from our Amazon store if you purely write a review that says first you charge the podcast then we blow it up or whatever it yep. is yep exactly put that in there the first person to give us that review we're we gonna might have to start doing some boot crates again because i got shit i gotta get rid of josh <laughs> i hey, know man. and i know you do i yeah robots I, and comics yeah. coming out of your butt <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy. Uh, but so thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. You can find us there. You can follow us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash comic exposure. You can follow us on Twitter at comic exposure. And as always, it has been a pleasure. Travis and I enjoy talking about comic books, and we're glad that some people don't mind listening to us do it. It gives us pleasure. something. Pleasure. Gives us a pleasure. <laughs> so Moan shares. Moan Frere? Mon Sherry, share and then mon frere. Share mon frères. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And Travis and I will see you next train. <laughs>